Blog Talk Radio. to welcome you all back today, and we've had a very short break, and now we're launching into several shows coming up here, really the fall schedule in full swing here, and it is indeed fall here, and that means we're heading really close to the the seventh anniversary of this show, which um, is, is amazing. Or actually, now I'm losing track. Is it the 6th or the 7th? This show started, well, we're in our 6th year. So, yeah, we are we are really getting there. It, it, I almost forget how long this show has been on the air, but I am very thankful. And thank you to Blog Talk Radio for featuring us today. I see that we're on the front page, and I really appreciate that. It is International Podcast Day. So I really do believe in the power of individual voices. And in a way, it's kind of cool I don't remember when I started this show because that's the way it started, just as an individual one day spontaneously deciding I was just going to get on the air. And that's the beauty of podcasting. Today, I am just so happy in a moment to welcome back to the show someone we haven't heard from in a little while, but has been a very regular guest in the past, and that is Dr. Robert Foreman. And it is always a joy and an honor to have him on this show because he has done so many amazing things. Um, He is one of the top experts on mysticism in the world, and he has over 20 years' experience as a professor of comparative religions, and he also has a Ph.D. from Columbia University and professorships at City University of New York and Vassar College. He has written over 10 books. Um, His most recent book is Enlightenment Ain't What It's Cracked Up To Be, A Journey of Discovery, Snow, and Jazz in the Soul. And he is a very honest, authentic soul. And today we're going to be talking about change. Bob has also created this wonderful program that we will talk about today as well, the Soul Jazz Program. And I'll be very curious to see. I see that's still going very strong, and they offer all kinds of different classes to help people communicate. He is the founder and director of the Forge Institute for Spirituality and Social Change, so we may be talking about change in a macrocosmic and a microcosmic level today. And, you know, he's just done so much. He also um, was the co-founder of the Journal on Consciousness Studies, and he helps people with spiritual counseling one-on-one, as well as being a hospital chaplain, which is also very relevant to our topic today. And you can find out more about him on souljazzonline.com and enlightenmentate.com. And as usual, my intro for Bob is very, very long because he just has so many wonderful things that he's done. And I am just so happy to bring him on the line. Welcome back to the show, Bob. God, this guy sounds really cool. How do I meet him? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I get to the point where 
uh, I, I always this happens every. I've forgotten. I have forgotten. It's been a while since I've given you an intro because it's amazing how time passes. It feels like you were just on the show yesterday in a way, and and it's been something like a year and a half. So, so we really are introducing you probably to a number of new people as well today. So, so welcome well, back. Thank you. It's wonderful. Th- well, thank you for that wonderful and long introduction. Yeah, it really is. Jeez, I didn't know I did all those things. <laughs> <laughs> well, today, and I think, you know, this this is, I, I don't know what's going on, and maybe it's always going on. You know, we always tend to think that um, when we're going through a lot of changes, and, and I personally will raise my hand, my listeners already know because I've talked about this on recent programs, I personally am going through a lot of change. And what we tend to notice are, wow, you know, this friend and that friend and this person, they're going through change too. You know, whether um, I have a friend who recently lost her husband rather rather suddenly um, and, you know, she's going through change and, and I'm kind of, you know, supporting her. And then I've just got other people in my life that I'm observing. And, you know, it, it seems like... Maybe that's a part of it, because if this is where I'm just flowing with this today. This is where we're going to start. You really help people with soul-to-soul communication. And what I am observing, Bob, is that this experience of my personal change is connecting me even more powerfully to all the people in my life and, you know, even on this show as well, who we're all going through it together. And what is it about change, Bob, that that just connects us so beautifully? Because cause that's what I'm seeing. Well, let me say this, Susan, that I think um, we are trained as kids, uh, infants to children to teenagers, we're trained to live in a certain kind of system. We're trained to live with a certain kind of pattern, you know, what Jung called the persona. We're trained to live by certain kind of social rules and expectations. And, and that training is absolutely essential. But to be a free and wide open human being, which is I think what we're after, or another way to put that is to be a spiritual being or to be a God-fearing being, means that you have to be open to what really is. And what really is may or may not match the training that we have as kids. So there's a kind of, you get trained into, as it were, a box, and then to become fully authentic and autonomous, you find your way out of that box, and you find your way into a kind of openness of life. And the more open you are in your life, the more you realize that there are other people that are open in their life. So that when we come out of our little box, we become available both to ourselves but also to other people who are also exploring being outside that box. So change is what the marker is of being a free being. And the willingness to be open to that change is what the marker is of coming out of the box that we all get trained into. Does this make sense? Yes, yes. In fact, I I love how you bring up this notion of of being free because I have to tell you that um, in, in my own experience of, of what I've been navigating here and what I'm observing with other people is that change can come with what can feel like significant challenge, which you would think might shut you down. And I suppose that it can um, in some situations. But what I'm seeing instead is this feeling of freedom despite the challenges. It, 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 it doesn't matter that, you know, this change brings with it some challenges. It, I feel free. In fact, that's been over and over. I've had this. My spirit just wants to, to almost, you know, exalt in this feeling of I'm free. And, and even at a time when things I could be looking at it in a totally different way. Um, and and what is it about us? It is, it's true. We seem naturally to gravitate towards personal liberation. Um, no matter what we're encountering on the path, it, it seems to be a, our natural state. 
You know, I, I, first of all, I, I think that it says something about you, that you are finding the challenges and changes that you've been going through recently. You're finding them opening because some yeah. people will respond to challenges um, in a way that's like, don't make me change, don't change. You know, it's, <laughs> I want to be in my box. I want to I keep thinking the way I'm thinking. And, you know, Buddhism talks a lot about about uh, being in what they call your skandhas, your being in the expectations of how things are supposed to go. And, and, but to be, to be free is to be willing to allow these things to move forward so that yes. some people adapt, respond to change as, oh, my God, it's terrible. And yes. other people, and I'm thinking of you here, other people respond to the challenges or respond to the changes that are taking them out of the box of their training as, wow, what do I get to explore here? Another way to think about this is one attitude towards change is to resist it and to say, I, you know, the change is going to be dangerous and I don't want to change. Yeah. That's definitely something that a lot of people do. But another attitude is, is the attitude of curiosity. It's like, oh, what's this? And where do I go here? And what, what does this mean? And, you know, there, it's such a different way to think about change. You know, so change means that you can be open and you can be curious and you can just allow the change to move you as well as you moving the change. And those are very different attitudes about, about life and about who we are and about, about the changes that we face. Yes, yes. And, you know, this being a show about fear, and, and I'm, I'm willing to be perfectly honest that the interesting thing is I resisted this change. For a long time, it's some of these things of I really resisted, or I thought, you know, I can't, you know, I'm not ready for this or that. You know, it's not, and in some ways it's true, you know, things happen in perfect timing. But I felt the resistance, <laughs> and yet the fact that I had that resistance makes it even more liberating. I feel like, you know, a, a rubber band, you know, sort of thing. You know, you've got that that slingshot effect or you know, it's so so I guess here's here's the question embedded um here is mm-hmm. is what is it with, you know, just our regular human experience of fear and 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 and, and, and no matter how how high we hold our intent, but that resistance helps us in some ways. You know, it it if, as long as it's in balance, there's something about that aspect of my journey here that that is making this an even more um, fulfilling adventure right now. And and that's how I would put it. I am embarking on not only a fulfilling adventure, but it's becoming more magical. That too. Uh, um, there's a lot uh, in this question. <laughs> so go ahead. <laughs> there's a lot. Yeah. Well, a couple a couple of thoughts here. One is that. One of the things we teach in the Soul Jazz course is that our ego structure, which is that box I was talking about at the beginning, our ego yeah. structure is what we have grown up with and what we've learned, how we've learned to adapt and to live. Sometimes the ego structure can be, you know, I want to think of myself as a smart person and anything that makes me look stupid, then I resist that. Sometimes our ego structure is negative. It's like, I'm such a bad guy, I'm a victim. And anything that challenges that is difficult for us. So it, it goes both ways. But in any case, yeah. what protects the ego is that if there's something that challenges how we think about ourselves, what we feel is anxiety. Anxiety is kind of a protector system. Anything that's going to make us change or make us challenge what our ego system looks like, we're going to feel anxious about that. And so, so that that's a kind of... When I feel anxiety, it's, what I look for is what is the movement behind it that I'm afraid to confront or I'm unwilling to confront because it's going to challenge my ego structure. So that most of us, when we face change, we do resist it like that. We feel anxious about the change. We don't want things to move. We don't want things to change because it's going to challenge us too much. Yeah. And then when, we, when, we, it's, you know, when you go through the anxiety, and often it's a question of just saying, okay, I'm anxious here, and go. You know, it's like you say to yourself you're anxious, but then you go through that. If you can go through that, then there's often a certain bit of freedom. And I really like you. the way you're saying it is when you come through on the other side, there is a kind of magical quality to life in openness, a life in freedom. I think it's really wonderful yeah. the way you say that. 
Yeah, I, I'm seeing fun synchronicities. It's funny. Um, I, I was at a point where I was thinking, actually, one day I was thinking of that scene in Scarlett O'Hara, where she, or in um, Gone with the Wind, where she rallies, mm-hmm. kind of. You know, she's, she's standing in the field, and, and she's rallying her herself together, taking personal responsibility for, for mm-hmm. her path. And this was mm-hmm. in my head. I turned on the radio. Um, I don't know. I was cleaning my – I was – Doing clearing a bunch of stuff, and and I turned on just this random. Oh, it was a classical music. I think films from the or movies. I can't speak. Music from movies was the kind of a show, and they play not yeah. only music from Gone with the Wind, but that exact scene that was in my head, and it just you know I thought okay, Amazing. all right, spirit, <laughs> here you are, because. <laughs> Because and it was funny because you know I wasn't the the whole point of it is I wasn't in the position of Scarlett O'Hara really you know it's not like it's mm-hmm. uh, I I'm in the middle of a wasteland in the in the the midst of the Civil War here <laughs> I mean that that's not what's happening but you know that's taking it to an extreme but it's as if the spirit was was really playing with me with these echoes from my mind just you know um just echoing back and and it it made me laugh is what it did and then then you know everything got lighter um but but the, the core cool. question in the magic here too is is this notion of personal responsibility i think changes often invite us into more responsibility for the direction of our lives and and for me that has felt incredibly liberating too it's just despite you know the challenge that may carry with it um that it's so freeing to to realize wow i actually can choose and then you realize you know what I always could choose in a way. I mean, sure, there are things, you know, I was a parent and things, and of course you, there are things in life that are solid there that are that are fixed. But I look back and I think, oh, my gosh, I had so much choice, and yet I didn't even realize I had as much choice as I thought I did. Um, and, and you, yeah, you can know, be regretful or open. I'm not regretful, but open. You know, we never do realize we have choice until the choice is possible. For example, when I see myself as a victim, which I did for most of my teenage and very young 20s years, I didn't know that I was seeing myself as a victim, and I didn't know there was another way to be. And you you only can make a choice when you're big enough to see that there's a choice to be made. In other words, you see two options. When you're really in a particular way to be or in a particular way to see yourself, there's no option. You're just in it. You're just, that's the way you see. It's like wearing glasses. And it's only when you kind of are big enough that you can take your glasses off for a moment and say, oh, I can be with or without the glasses here. Now you start to be able to make that choice. And then down the road, another step, I think, and I'm sure you know this, but another step down the road is, that the choice is so obvious that there's only the one choice. It's, you don't want to go back. Yeah. You don't want to go back to that way yeah. again. Yeah. So it's funny yeah. the way this is. But I think I think what you're describing is a process that most people go through, which is all of a sudden you see that you have choice, and you've always had that choice. And it's really an amazing yeah. insight, isn't it, just to be yeah. able to see that. Yeah, yeah, um, I mean, to use another popular icon, I don't know why I'm on, I'm on movies today, is, is you know, another theme <laughs> is, is, is Dorothy, <laughs> you know? There's oh, my favorite movie, one, you know, yeah, go ahead. Because, you know, we've got, I know today there are a lot of people listening um, that, you know, these are, these are things we all have seen. I mean, let, look at look mm-hmm. at Dorothy in Wizard of Oz and and mm-hmm. what she discovered. And you know, in a way, I suppose she went back to some. In, you know, the overall story there is a little bit different. I mean, I may choose to stay in Oz, actually, <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but it has to do with knowing that you always she was always able. Everybody in that story always had what they thought they were seeking. It was it was within them. You know, it's interesting that you say that because the change that I've been going through this past uh, six months or so has had to do with realizing what's in you. And and let me tell you just a little of that. 
Yeah. All my life, from when I was a little kid, I used to think that um, I wasn't really okay. And I looked to others. I looked to fame. You know, I've built a fair amount of reputation. I looked to fame. I've yeah. looked to others to sort of show me that I'm loved, prove to me that I'm loved. And it's been, I'm, you know, it's like I'm a very old dude, and, and it's been a very long time that I've been carrying this with me. And over the summer, I've come to realize that I was really okay to start with and that I don't need to look to others, but rather I need to recognize that I have certain feelings that come up. You know, I feel lonely or I feel sad or I feel afraid. And if I can name that feeling, then there's nothing else to do in terms of getting other people to recognize me. If I'm feeling afraid or lonely, that's just my feeling. And if I can own that feeling, then I don't need to turn to somebody else to sort of assuage that feeling. And this business you were talking about at the beginning of the call of um, that we resist the change, I can't tell you how long I've been resisting this insight. I can't tell you how hard it was. And then once you realize, oh, I don't need to look to somebody else. I don't need to look anywhere else for this sort of feeling okay about who I am. That's been an amazing thing once I've broken through that and once once I've said to myself, oh, I really can let go. I really can stop that. It's been a huge shift for me, Susan. It's wonderful. Oh, well, well, that's wonderful. And, and you know, I think that that one of the things I appreciate about you and other guests to this show is, um, and, and also the audience, people are at, at all different points of their life journey and, you know, a lot of these things, Bob, I feel, don't really start to, to come to us until, you know, we, we're much older. Although in some ways I know lots of young people who who um, see things in amazing ways as well. But, I mean, I think that the the point is, you know, our journeys take us where they take us. I mean, I guess is the And thing. they happen and, when they happen, yeah. It, it, exactly, and I don't think of you as as, as that old. Heck, your your generation's never going to get old. <laughs> maybe that's true. With that a girl. It's true. We're we're redefining old. I mean, I'm I've told the audience many times. I'm in my early fifties. I don't hide my age. I I stopped coloring my hair years ago. Best thing I ever did. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Oh, I love it. Do you know, in fact, I'll put this out there for people to consider. Everybody has choice in this domain. I used to love to color my hair. And then one day I saw it in the light, um, a picture, and I thought, gosh, that looks artificial. And I started asking people, you know, what color is my hair? And this may seem like a real surface-level kind of thing, but you know what? It really wasn't. It was symbolic of my own evolution as a person because I just stopped doing it. And, of course, it looked two times, still does, because it's very long. But um, it mm-hmm. took a while. There was an awkward stage. But I just came to love not only rediscovering my natural hair. I got to see it again, and I can still see it. It's mm-hmm. not all great. But also just having a little bit of, of gray coming in. And I thought, wow, look at that. You know, this is me. Mm-hmm. This is me in my 50s, and I love it. And and mm. and I'm becoming just more comfortable in my own skin and and loving what I am and what I'm becoming. And it's not, you know, that sounds almost like a, um, oh come on, you know, you're just saying that. So many times you hear that repeated, you know, love who mm. you are. But mm-hmm. you know what? It's real. And and I'm not claiming to. Sure, I struggle with some aspects of who I am. I'm not perfect, and and I, you know, I get upset about certain things. Of course I do, but. There is something really beautiful about just I, I guess it's about acceptance and and really it's a it's exploration and your generation it's a very long comment of course it's so typical of our shows your generation's exploration and I think of you you know the 60s generation and all that of of what it's yeah. like to age I'm seeing a lot of this being authentically who you are you know not having to to pretend to be 20 but still have that vitality um that that is is more you really can generate that in in your own way and i'm seeing that a lot with with your generation. yeah I, I i agree i agree there's something very different 
about the way that the boomer generation and that I'm in the boomer generation. There's something very different about the way the boomer generation is aging than certainly uh-huh. my parents or even or especially my grandparents aged. And 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 I don't think we quite know how to make what to make of it yet. And I think yeah. what we're seeing, first of all, we're all living longer, which is yeah. really interesting and wonderful. Uh, but it's yeah. also we're not willing to just kind of roll over and go out and play golf. You know, uh-huh. I'm, I'm, I've just started my third career. I'm a hospital chaplain now and it's, yeah. I don't want, I don't want to stop working. I love doing this and it's yeah. really, it's really satisfying work. And I think that most of my peers are looking for ways to make a contribution, you know, at this point in our lives. So I agree. Yeah. It's a very different way. It's a very different attitude. And yeah, there's a real vitality to it. And, and, Hell, I'm not going to stop. Why should I stop? It's too much fun to be, (laughs) to be, you know, to be dynamic and to be, you know, helping people and to be in the world and, you know, earning a few bucks ain't bad either. You know, it's just it's all why 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 not? not? (laughs) Yeah, why stop? So yeah, I agree with that. I have to tell you that many of guests. Are, are boomers, and technically I'm right on, I think I'm the last year of the boomers, so technically I'm even among that, but not really. My my gener- my time is, is more on the cusp there. But in any case, I believe, truthfully, because I learn from all of my guests, that being around people who who are doing exactly what you're doing has changed my whole approach here in my 50s because I'm realizing that, hey, you know, this is, and I'm seeing this with other people in their 50s or late 40s, um, you know, what can I do? A lot of times there are job changes at this time. Um, A lot of people who were in high technology, for example, which I was, we're all discovering together, this is happening everywhere, that this is a career that pretty much ends in your um, 40s, your late 40s and early 50s for most people. Oh, that's interesting. Uh huh. Yeah, it's, it's something people don't realize, but yeah, there's been a lot of things in the news about that, um, and, and they don't even call it age discrimination, but they pretty much let go the older people because they don't have the recent skills. Now that doesn't mean they can't contribute because they can. You know, there really is a an argument to be made that they're really kind of shooting themselves in the foot these industries, but whether they are or not. The, the reality of the situation, and it certainly happened here. We probably have a number of listeners today, Bob, who were let go from Intel in this area. They let go a huge number of people, very intelligent people with, with advanced degrees. Many of them are going off now and, and trying to sign. In fact, why don't, because that is very likely true, um, what you know, what can we say? I mean, I know what I can say to those people having seen my own high-tech job end at a certain point is that this is your chance, and I'm only now even feeling it more fully of, you know, what is it that your heart really, really seeks to do? And and if I'm discovering anything right now, and you are too through your chaplaincy, is this feeling of, huh, you know, I really can do this, you know, as I'm trying to um, expand as an entrepreneur and things, it's like, you know what, this here is working and, you know, or this thing, no, this isn't working. And, but there's that exploration. And that's what I see in your life is how can you serve? There's the important thing. You know, it also relates back to how we started the conversation, which is, you know, if you take one of your Intel buddies and, you know, who lost their job at age 45 or 55, whatever it is, yeah, it's usually it's, it's like 60 or so. Yeah. Okay, so, yep. you know, it's a change. And and people are not expecting it probably, and they're very disappointed by it because it doesn't yes. fit in our picture of, of who we are and what our life is supposed to be. And so there are two ways to respond to that. One way is, oh, God, I've been, I've been beaten. It'll never work. You know, that's and, – and even yeah. if you go out and look for work, you can still have that attitude of, oh, well, this is just what I can do now. Oh, well. You know, yeah. it's like you can still resist the change. You can say to yourself, this can't possibly work or this isn't what I want to be doing or whatnot. Right. Or on the other hand, you can kind of – you can shift it and you can say, okay, that's my response and it's going to be hard to let it go. But what can I – you know, where can I, where can I bend towards or what can I move into or where can we go with this? 
and I don't I don't want to be Pollyanna about this. You know, it's like a lot of yeah. my spiritual buddies will say, "Oh, everything that happens, you know, go with your bliss. It's all going to be wonderful." And I uh-huh. want to say, no, it might not be wonderful, and it might not be going with your bliss in the way that you sort of anticipate it. But if you keep yourself curious and open and kind of wondering and open to the mystery of what may be happening here, I think our attitude towards life can be very different. And I think our attitude towards this sort of what seems to be a setback can really become a kind of opening. And it's certainly, you know, it's, it's certainly what I, I, a lot of my people, you know, that I serve in the hospital, you know, uh, for example, I'm thinking, well, let me finish that sentence. A lot of my people have taken very difficult diseases and made them into something really glorious and wonderful for themselves, even though it is a disease and even though it's painful. And I want to give you just one brief story about this. There was a lady that had um, recently been diagnosed with cancer, and she'd lost all her hair because of the chemo. And she had this um, a kind of ribbon going around her head, her bald head, you know, as if she was wearing a ribbon in her hair, you know, just going around the head. And she and I got to talking about just wearing a ribbon and and what kind of fun things you could do with a bald head. And she was having actually (laughs) a lot of fun with it. And what Uh in the conversation, what in conversation happened was, you know, I said, is there any way to take, you know, take this very difficult time and to, to see a kind of benefit. And what she came to was to see that even in the face of this disease, um, she could at least, for the time that she had left, be more attentive to her life. And I saw her about two weeks later after that conversation, and she said, it's like I never lived before. And finally, in a certain sense, she's living with a depth and a presence that she never knew before. And I think that that's, she, just, she just was taking the change and re-looking at it and being curious and open to it. And I think that there's an enormous power in how we take challenge and how we take change and how we take losing a job and how we take disease and how we take loss. It's like there's a lot to be said for really looking with a kind of curious openness at life. And what seems to be difficult and a setback could actually turn out to be quite a gift in a way if we look at it and hold it with that kind of open, curious attitude. So, yeah, I think I think it's exactly in this question of how do we take challenge that makes all the difference in terms of your friends that have lost their jobs from Intel and Microsoft. Yeah, yeah, well, any number. Actually, I do have a friend from there, too. I mean, there's just so many. But, but you know, something, I'm going to take this a, a little, um, well, not really a different direction because it's based on something you said. Um, when when we talk about, and a lot of times, you know, shows here on Blog Talk Radio, spiritual shows, they can take this Pollyanna-ish, Pollyanna-ish view um, of 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 navigating through life. And and here's the question: Is that clearly? And I will once again raise my hand and say, yes, this has been part of my recent experience too. Mm-hmm. We do mm-hmm. have those moments. And I'm sure this woman in the hospital and many people that you work with in the hospital have those moments of, you know, the darker moments, the dark night of the soul. You know, it can sure. certainly be a mix. Um, you know, I I would love to claim that every single moment of this change that I'm going through or of others that I've had have has been a positive thing. There have been times where it does overtake me. You know, because we're human, sure. you know, there is anguish yeah, and there too. is doubt and there is fear and there is, yeah. you know, yeah. and, and, and you know, we can develop tools to help us with that. And I feel like I'm stronger. In fact, I'm glad, you know, I'm like, wow, you know, I made it through that dark night. And, um, <laughs> but, but, yeah, the question as a chaplain, you know, how do we then approach that part of it? Because I know there, there are people listening. I, a part of me is listening to where we do have those times where, of course, you know, it overtakes us um, for, for a while. And, 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 and how do you work with people as a chaplain who, who are in that, that place? How, how do you, and how do we accept ourselves as, as authentic human beings that we're going to have that okay, happen I, as well? The, the, there's, there's, two com- there's, two th- there's two comments in here. 
Um, first, I, I do want to talk about what it is to be a chaplain because I think everybody in yes. in our audience can can learn from that. But I also want yes. to say it's what is it to be a chaplain, but it's also what is it to be in the difficult situation um, and yes. in the in the position of I don't know pain or loss or or challenge whatnot. And the, those are somewhat different things and somewhat similar. So let me talk about being yes. a chaplain for a second. Okay. All right. Good. Um, I've I've now taken. Uh, um, almost uh, two years worth of the training to be a chaplain, and I think I'm a pretty good chaplain. And the one thing that I have learned is that what people most want when they're in a difficult position is they want somebody to stand with them without judgment, without demand, without expectation, without fixing it, and without pretending this is not hard. Most of the family members that come in, you know, it's, they'll say to grandma, they'll say to mom, oh, it'll be okay. It'll, you know, don't worry about it. We'll just stick it out. We'll fight it, you know. And it's like there's a certain kind of, um, I don't know, not a, a certain kind of unwillingness to stand or sit in pain, in the difficulty. But what you want, what people want as a patient or as a person going through difficulty, it's just somebody being with them as if you're walking with a friend. And the way I think about that is that what I deal with as a chaplain is what I like to call an emotional, a secondary emotional infection. And what I mean by that is one of the problems I have is dealing with the shit that's in front of me. But the second problem I have is that I feel so alone in it. And if I can be standing with somebody as a friend or as a chaplain and not tell them it's going to be okay, not tell them that, that everybody loves them, not tell them that, you know, I'm sure it'll be easy. Um, what people need is they need to know that there's somebody standing alongside them. You know, it's like, yeah. do I have a friend that I'm walking down the street with and I'm holding their hand? Do I have yeah. somebody that I can say, ouch, this really hurts? And somebody else can say, yeah, I really hear you. And that's, that. you know, the, the secondary infection is loneliness. And that's what the chaplain can help with. So I think our listeners, if they know somebody that, you know, is going through some difficult times, I would very much encourage our listeners to go and be with their friend and not provide a solution and not fix them, but just be with them in a way you just listen and care and Show them that that you're there, and I think yeah. that that's really an enormous gift. There's a wonderful phrase. Uh, there's a wonderful sentence that uh, I think Kierkegaard, Kierkegaard wrote, and it is that being listened to is so close to being loved that most people can't tell the difference. And I think that that's that's absolutely true, and that's what we do as chaplains is we're really there for people, and we listen. And we love, and that's really all we do. And it and it makes a real difference for a lot of people. It's a huge gift to them. So that that's, I think, what I've learned as a chaplain. And then I also want to talk a little about what it is to go through the difficulty and go through the pain. But your comments on the chaplain, my long chaplain rap there? Well, not just, I mean, that. first of all, I mean, that. It, that's amazing what you're experiencing as a chaplain. And and um you know it's funny i i i've encountered a couple of chaplains in in the last couple years um i had um a family member with a health issue and and just different things that that have, I, i've just encountered mm-hmm. for some reason some people who've become chaplains and and wow to provide that presence and you know either chaplains or hospice volunteers i also have i know a couple people who've been steady hospice volunteers and but but you know the deeper thing that you really bring forward and you really had me reflecting in fact actually feeling very thankful for you know when I've had that when when people are present for you you know how can you it's that feeling of presence just you know when someone is listening when someone is simply present and it makes you you realize, you know, how can I be present for for somebody? You know, when I when I think about, um, you know, for example, my friend who, who lost her 
her husband and, and different people, and, and if she were listening, she wouldn't mind my saying this. It, it's just there is that. Just we've had some times, and again, this isn't violating anything. Where we're just sitting, you know, just sitting. We're not really reminiscing, or you know, just there's that quiet space, and and it's that notion of presence. And and I think of how I've been held. I am just so grateful when when I've been the beneficiary of that presence because it's helped tremendously. And, um, you know, if if we in, as human beings can, can step into this more for one another, which is what this makes me think about, I mean, you know, how it, it just would help every, you know, we would, it, it, like I say, you don't have to solve anything. That's what I love because, because you, yeah. we're always thinking we have to provide a solution, and you always have those people. I have people like that. That's all they want to do is solve a problem that I don't even see. <laughs> and actually, yeah. that to me is not helpful. Truthfully, if 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 solutions are being thrust onto me that that I'm not really prepared to take on, that that's not as helpful for me. Um, although I know people or anybody. well. I know, and and it's a natural inclination. I've done it, too. I've done it. We all do it, I think. You know, we want to solve the problem. And and I love how you can hold back. You know, you don't have to solve the problem. Just be there. In fact, solving the problem, which we call, which we can call being being a fix-it, you know, you're fixing it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Solving the problem grows out of our need as as the onlooker. Yes. To not have to confront our own fear and not yes. have to confront our own feeling of helplessness or ambiguity or lostness. You know, it's like if I see a problem, the tendency is, oh, my God, there's something I can't fix, which really scares me. And and it's being able to sit in the anxiety of facing into death or facing into uh, the inability to cure something or facing into our own confusion that's what leads us to one of the, the the unwillingness to sit with that is what leads us into fixing stuff. So if I was to offer one lesson that I've been learning in the last couple of years, it's if you're going to be with a friend and your instinct is to, you know, it's like your friend is describing something hard to you yeah. that, and our instinct is always to fix it. But if you're going to be, if you really want to be with your friend, just be with your friend. Don't fix them. It's an amazing difference. It's an amazing gift that somebody knows, yeah, i got a friend here that's listening, really listening. And if somebody wants help in figuring out a solution, they can say that, and they often do. You know, it's like, what do you think I should do? Is a solution, you know, help me think out a solution. But I think really what people want is they want company, and so they're not so alone facing into their own fears. Yeah. You know, it's such a balance. You know, I'm going to bring this back to the whole freedom thing, and, and and just observing again, living through this in my own way right now is is there there's a real balance because I know that yes, you know, you may have a tendency to want to engage in those where where you are seeking certain solutions and that can be helpful. But also, you know, when I'm like helping a friend, if I'm too um forward with with solutions, I'm really infringing on that person to explore and be independent because what I might see from my life experience is is very likely totally different than than what the other person sees and and you know many many things that I think for example can keep us in resistance can often be assumptions that we have that have come from voices that are not our own um about whatever the situation is and that can be health situations too you know, um, in fact, maybe in many ways, I, I imagine you might deal with that where they're just there's input coming from all directions. You need to do this. You should do this. You have to do. You know, it really can become intense. Um, and that we have to recognize the freedom of the people that we are supporting, and that there is no greater love than than to do that than to to. to step back and, and just be present and let them be free. Yeah. I have a, I have a story to tell you about that. Uh, I think I told you this many, uh, one of our first calls, but 
um, I had a bypass operation, a heart bypass operation, yeah. in 2012. Yeah, I remember. And yeah. so I was in the hospital. I was in the hospital for about a week, and then I was in recovery for three months. You're not allowed to. You're not allowed to lift anything heavy for three months. And so, you know, I spent a fair amount of time sort of lounging around the house and and, and um, frankly being lazy and enjoying the hell out of it. Um, and some people would just want to be with me. But the thing that was really striking was the people that that had um, had their reasons for this. You know, it's like one of them, one one person, a very dear friend of mine, you know, said, "Oh, you're not drinking enough water. You should drink more water." And another friend uh-huh. of mine says, "I don't know how you can do this. I'd be so scared. I'd be so..." Uh. And another friend uh-huh. said, "The reason you got your heart attack is that you're emotionally closed off. You must be emotionally closed off." And oh, it really struck me. It really struck me that people were doing that. They were giving me either solutions or causes because yeah. they themselves were scared. And that's the way yeah. it felt. And I often, as a patient, felt like I was there for them, you know, listening to them be, be afraid and letting them give me their wisdom and their, you know, letting me tell me how to do it. And it was really fascinating to watch it. You know, it's like my illness made other people scared for themselves, I think. Yeah. Um, and so yeah. that's where this stuff comes from. And our urge to fix comes from that, that we're scared, you know. And if we can yeah. allow ourselves to feel that fear and sit with it, then we can be with our friend. Then we can be with our, with the person that we're serving as a chaplain or as a, you know, as a hospice chaplain, as a hospice volunteer. It's really being able to sit with your own fear that allows you to be with somebody else. It's really an yeah. amazing gift we can give to them. Yes. Yeah. Yes, you know, you really help us to communicate more meaningfully. I mean, what what you say um, helps us to accept one another too. Because sometimes, you know, if if for example, you know, you have you're always going to have people that, that they 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 are fearful about this or that, and 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 they yeah. project. And and if we then, as as the person listening to that, even if we're the one who who's navigating through whatever the challenge is, health or otherwise, can can then react in a space of compassion, which is really what I felt from your response is is realize you know because you can say you know gosh you know I don't need this or whatever, but if you can react in the space of compassion, like wow, you know these are some really deep peers and and like you said you're here for the person even when you were the one going through the health challenge i mean what a what an open compassionate truly loving way that is to be um, yeah to, yeah to see it that way although it is true that when we are navigating through things we do have to set boundaries i mean let's talk about boundaries a little bit because that's mm. very much related to change and i've been reflecting on this more as well is um to to fully step into who we truly choose to be um and if there are all these solutions you know coming from all these directions what about setting the boundaries that we need to set so that we can navigate the way that we choose because that can often be a problem it can be a trap that's how you know, people often will fall back into unhealthy patterns because they've they've allowed themselves to be influenced by something. When if they had just set a boundary and said, "Hey, you know, I'm I don't need to go there. I'm focused on this," but it takes courage to do that. It takes being your authentic self and and mm-hmm. really. Yeah, and so, what about boundaries? Well, it's something that I have to think about both as a chaplain, but also as a friend. Yeah. Because the tendency is to want to kind of make it all nice for the other guy, make it good for yeah. for my friend, make it good for my patient, you know, and it's you tend to take their pain on. And the truth of the matter is I can't fix this for somebody else. There's yeah. nothing I can really fix in somebody else. And I can hold their hand and I, I can let them know that I'm there, but I can't fix the loneliness and I can't fix the fear and I can't fix the the illness. I mean, I'm not a doctor, so I can't, you know, I can't supply them with the, the pill that's going to cure this. What I can supply is I can supply my presence. But if my presence becomes so much consumed by their pain or so much yeah. consumed by what I think they want, then I'm no longer offering them my presence, but I'm offering them a fantasy 
of what they might want. So if I set my boundaries and say, I have this much time and energy that I can devote to this person, and I love them a lot, and I also know that I can't fix this for them, what I can supply is I can supply an honest sense of, here's the love I can offer, here's the time I can offer, you know, here's, here's the cookies I can bring, but it's not like I can fix them. And so that the notion of setting a boundary is the notion of facing my own limitations and my own inability to make it all good for them. So, I, so sooner or later I have to be able to say, this is what I can offer you, my friend, and I love you dearly, and this is what I can offer. And then, and then you need to recognize that is what you can offer. So boundaries seem like they're kind of cruel, but boundaries and setting boundaries and limits to what we can do for our friend who's in pain or what we can do for our friend who's going for change, structuring our boundaries is going to make the whole relationship much saner and much more healthy. There's a wonderful phrase they use in family systems, and that is uh, enmeshment. E-N-M-E-S-H, enmeshment. And what enmeshment means is that I see my uh, 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 I see my joy only when you feel joy. Or I want to, if you become happy, then I'll become happy. If, you know, if my child is, is uh, ha- happy, then I'm happy. And, and to see that the only way for me to be a whole being is to have the other person acknowledge me as a whole being or to have the other person make me feel like a whole being. And that's called enmeshment. And what I think, that's very unhealthy because neither party really knows themselves and really is authentic and really becomes authentically happy. So I think that part of the challenge of being a grown-up, and it is a challenge, is to recognize that that being over there is independent of me and I can't fix them, and I can't make it all good for them, but I can help. And and but I also need to be responsible for my own joy and my own psychological shit, you know, stuff. And I need to be responsible for my own health. And to see those as separate, not enmeshed, I think, is the way to be truly autonomous and healthy in the middle of all this stuff. So yeah, I think boundaries are hugely important in all this. And as a chaplain, and then I'll stop talking here. But as a chaplain, I also recognize. It's easy for me to get very preoccupied with my patients and to not leave them in the hospital, as it were, but to carry them home and to feel, to feel bad and they feel bad <laughs> yeah. and to know that yeah. we can't do that. You know, and I see a lot of people that do that. A lot of my friends who go through the training with me, a lot of my friends have said, I don't know how to leave them in the hospital. And it's like I yeah. watch these people burn out, and you burn out in a hurry. It's just there's no question about it. You need to be able to leave other people in themselves. And there's a certain kind of respectfulness in that, too, I think. Does this make sense? Yeah, it definitely does. And, you know, I guess um, I have a question from the other side, and, and this is also what I was thinking of in terms of boundaries. And I can think of situations where there's a certain, you know, there's this this notion of sensitivity, I think. You have to be empathic in the sense. Do you, you know, sometimes, first of all, um, you can't always know what another person's journey is. And I think when you're going through change, there can be this feeling of, you know, hey, I need space because there can be this influx of solutions coming to you, you know, coming into your domain. So yeah. so this would be being the patient and maybe even saying to you, Bob, you know what, I don't know how many of them would say this, but, you know, I, I need I need some quiet time right now. And I would assume you would be a person who, who if you felt, you know, that, that you would respect that. I mean, I, I guess that's the other side of it, too, is that there there can be, I think that, that I'm observing with me and with some other friends, I sense they need space. You know, they don't, they're in a sure. new domain. And, and there's a, there seems to be this notion of balance, you know, being gently, in support, but not um, not bringing your own issues really into the situation. Yeah, one, one thought here, or two thoughts. Um, first of all, I've been amazed how rare it is that somebody says, "I don't want to talk." It's it's very well, rare. Well, especially for me. with 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 you. <laughs> yes, yes. So that's that's one thing. But I I, I think that where people get burned out or where people get really tired of talking is if somebody else is trying to fix them. Mm. 
you know, yeah. if somebody else comes in and saying, here's what the solution is and here's what you should do or, you know, it's like yeah. that and that's puts it. a that's kind it. of emotional load on the, on the person, on the patient, that's on right. the person going through the change. But if you right. say, you know, if you go into somebody and you say, and this is generally the way I start, I'd say, hi, my name is Robert, I'm a government chaplain. How you doing? You know, and then I shut up. And and it's yeah. almost almost never yeah. people say, I don't want to talk. You know, it's like well, of course because not. you're just yeah. interested. You know, you're just yeah. you're showing that you're interested and, and what you know, what the art of being a good friend is is yeah. to be interested yeah. in a way that allows the person to kind of discover what they feel and discover who they are. So yeah. I, you know, yes, I certainly agree that sometimes people want to be alone and want some downtime and God knows if if people have, you know, seen a doctor and then a nurse and then a social worker and then a physical therapist, it's like, Oh God, I'm so tired just leaving me. You know, that that's <laughs> one thing. Yeah. But, that, but it's a different matter than I need space. You know, space is an emotional matter. Um, you know, I'm tired, I need to take a nap is one thing, but but saying I need space is to say there have been too many people telling me too much and giving That's me it. too much guidance, and this That's I don't it. want. I don't need this isn't helpful. You know, so That's right. It's not helpful, and yeah. it's exhausting. It and, is. And, it you know, is I exhausting. Certainly... Oh, yeah. In fact, that's the amazing yeah. thing. It, and, and this is really important stuff. I mean, we're almost at the end of the live hour here. But, you know, it oh, really yes. is. Yeah, a, yeah. It, it takes, I know, it's been amazing again. It, it takes It takes real empathy and, I would say, practice to know how to be in genuine support. And, and I observe this. And and um, you see it from both sides. And, and I, I think that, that you're really providing a, such a gift as a chaplain because you have that that empathy and sensitivity and you're not you know um you're not pushing your way into the space you know there could be some chaplains who might come in and although i don't think they're supposed to but you know they may try to promote some particular religious view or so you know that would not necessarily be welcome as you say it has to do with you know are you projecting into that space things that aren't helpful um and that actually make the situation worse. In your case, you're sitting with people in, in gentle presence, and and that to me is a beautiful thing. And yes, we are nearing yeah. the end of the live hour, and it's it's been a wonderful time as usual. It's been a while. It has indeed. Yeah. I've enjoyed it, has it indeed. a lot. So let me let me say before before we sign off, let me say one. Thing. No, you go. No, you can. And if we go slightly over, that's okay. We'll just go into the. Yeah, but while while yeah, we're still please. on here, I do I do want to say this, and that is, um, you've been doing this for a long time. Yeah. And it yeah. takes a lot of energy to keep one of these things going, and you've been doing this a while, and I know what the payment is, and and it's 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 <laughs> very inspiring. It's very inspiring to know that. You've been continuing yeah. to have these conversations, and and people get something out of them, and you get something out of them. But it's also just it's a real. Um, there's a lot of courage that you show in continuing to do this, and a lot of, a lot of determination. And and I think I think I want to call your your listeners' attention to that. How hard it is to keep one of these things going, and to keep your spirits going, and how hard it is to keep you know to keep bringing these kind of conversations to your audience. So my hat's off to you. I think you've done really good work here. Thank you for doing that. Well, thank you. And, you know, the gift comes right back to me because it. I feel so energized and I feel like I learned so much. So I, I love this work and, yeah. and it's my passion. But And, and you know, I just really want to thank you for, for everything that, that you're doing. Just how how you are. I mean, it's so such a delight to be reminded of just how real you are to have you here with me here today and and how you just bring all of yourself. Um you have all these accolades and all but really at the core who are you? You know, you're Bob, this this really loving authentic human being and you're here to to be of service and be who you are. And and thank you. Well, what a nice thank thing you. to say. Thank you very much. Yeah. Um and yeah. and as we 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 get off the air. I'm um, just real quick for the live audience. Hang on there for a second, Bob. As we do have a show tomorrow mm-hmm. night at 7 p.m. Joy Ray Freeman is going to be here. She hasn't been here in a while. And we're going to talk about healing and love and relationships. We'll be taking calls. A light show. 
And then on Monday, I believe a very early show, 7 a.m. Pacific, Richard Barrett, A New Psychology of Human Well-Being. So that'll be a very deep show. So I just wanted to get that in quickly. And Robert's site, enlightenment8.com is one of them, and souljazzonline.com. Please visit those sites. So um, and now we're we're in the wrap up here in the in the podcast and many many we do get a lot of future listeners especially today being International Podcast Day I think I'll have to definitely promote the recorded podcast as well since that's what this is the art of podcasting and and um, you know once again um, I I really hope to welcome you back again sooner this time because this is I just hope we can start up a new series of conversations because this is really valuable stuff Bob I feel it it helps me it helps I mean I I just know it's just incredibly helpful stuff and and I love I love how you're present with me when you're here well thank you and I very much enjoy being with you Susan so yes I'd love to do it some more that would be wonderful so we'll we'll just um, do our series number two <laughs> of shows because and, and, there's so many things. And next time I do want to hear more about what's happening with soul jazz. In fact, I will give you that opportunity because people will be listening certainly into October. Is um, real quickly, um, I saw you have some classes coming up. It looks like um, um, what's happening with soul jazz, real quick, just so you yeah can, we we teach this. I've been teaching that. this through a school. I've been teaching this through a school, and if people want to contact me, uh, frankly, I'm not sure if the email address on the site is right. I should think about that. Uh, my email address, my name is Robert Foreman, and my email address is robertforeman at outlook.com. That's the quickest way to get a hold of me, so I'd love to hear from folks. So thank you for giving me the opportunity. Yeah, yeah, well, you that's been going strong for a while now, and, and I was really glad yeah, we to, teach it. We love to go over there. Yeah, we love to teach yeah. it. Yeah, that that's Good. a that's a really cool thing that you've got going there, and and I'm glad that it's um, it it has that that momentum going. So, so anyway, um, thank you again, and um, you know, I I do very much look forward to the next time, and and any new books that you're working on, I look forward to that too in the in the future, and and anything that yeah, comes I got from, books from your creative work. soul. <laughs> Yeah, I, I got two books in the works. I'll let you know when they're when they're when they're getting close to yeah, being. Yeah, you don't have to. Yeah, I'm just I'm just kind of hinting there could be more coming, and and boy, I'm looking forward to it because <laughs> your last one was was really quite the honest, deep. In fact, I I realized I I was picking it up this morning, and I thought, you know what, this book can help me right now. I need to spend more time in it because it's that kind of book <laughs> where where you can rediscover things when you haven't picked it up in a while. So so thank you for well, that. Oh, cool. So, yeah. So anyway, we, we're just a mutual admiration society. <laughs> Indeed we are, Susan. I, I, so. I really do appreciate you. So anyway, thank yeah. you, and I will see you next time. I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day. Enjoy the fall. Fall weather is just always energizing. It's a good time for change in, in my case. And, and so I hope everyone out there listening, whenever, we never know when they're listening, but, but you know, enjoy the, the beauty around you. That's always the advice I give to everyone. Well, thank so you. Take care, Bob. Take care. All right. And I'll see Ciao. you next time. Okay. Ciao. Bye. And quickly to the audience, um, just just a note, if you are listening to this podcast, um, I will note that this is a listener-supported show. And lately I've been I've been hearing, and maybe I should put this on the live show, maybe I'll do that tomorrow night or another time, but when I listen to public broadcasting, for example, um, I, I do hear, it seems like fall is the time of year to say, if this show has helped you, I really do welcome your support. Um, there, there's energetic things that go into this show, which I love, but there's also a cost. And, and if you have that inclination to assist with the show, it is most welcome. And you can find out how at FrontierBeyondFear.com. And I always appreciate the listeners. So take care, everyone, and I will see you next time. Thank you.